Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz and I'm your host. And uh, we always record this podcast on a Friday. It doesn't really matter when you listen to it. Uh, but uh, today is Friday the 25th of September. Yesterday was Thursday the uh, 24th of September. And that day is, of course, International Maritime Day. And uh, I just wanted to have a, a quick shout out and a quick thank you to uh, all of the crew, the officers um, and employees that work both on and off the ships, whether they're on the on the water or shore side. Uh, a big thank you, a big shout out to say we really do appreciate everything that you do. And we know things are a little bit different right now, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And we, uh, we know that when it is safe to do so, we will be able to uh, join you and experience the the wonders of cruising whether that's on the oceans or of course on the rivers so uh, a very happy international maritime day to anybody involved in the the beautiful cruise industry now today's show will be a little bit different in that i have some amazing content and it's gonna air a little bit on the long side and i like the podcast to be about 45 minutes to an hour maximum and if i put everything in the one show today it's going to take it well over the, uh, the the 90 minute mark an hour and a half mark so we're going to do today's show with Chris and Pete. So we'll talk maritime history, cruise news, and then we'll head over and join Pete and uh, learn five facts um, about something you probably never considered before. And then where we would normally go to our other guests, we're going to do that as a separate bonus episode because there's so much great content in there. And that will be with the incredible Robin West, who is the Vice President of uh, Expedition Operations uh, for seaborne cruises. So uh, listen out in a couple of days' time, and we will have that bonus episode for you. And don't forget, if you do want to be a part of the show, if you have a listener question or you want to leave a cruise review, you can simply uh, head to our website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, click on Join the Show, and that's where you can send either your question through to me, uh, whether it's a question for me, a question for Chris, a question for Pete. They've all got their individual areas of expertise. Um, or if you want to uh, leave the name and itinerary of a ship that you cruised on in the last 18 months to two years or so, and uh, we'd uh, we'd love to, to share your cruise experience with uh, the listeners of the Big Cruise Podcast. But without further ado, let's get straight into today's show. 
And our first guest on every show is, of course, Chris Frame. Chris, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Barry. Great to be back. Yeah. And of course, the, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the big differences between uh, cruising of uh, yesteryear and the more modern times. Um, and a question that comes up all the time on this show and also in, in your talks that you do is, you know, what are the big differences to those first ocean liners and um, a, a modern day cruise ship? Over to you. Yeah. So those um, early ships, the, the ones we've been talking about, the ones we've been sort of going back in time over the last few weeks and having a look at how things are different, those ships were were primarily designed as uh, passenger transports and also cargo and mail transports. So the uh, whole idea behind these ships was to get people and goods and mail um, from one place to another. And the only way at the time to do that from the 1840s all the way through to the age of the jet aircraft, um, the only way to do that en masse and, and and effectively was to do it by ship over these long distances so from you know southampton to new york from liverpool to canada from um, britain to australia and through to india and through the mediterranean all that sort of thing so because of that the ships that were operating on these routes the ocean liners were designed in a certain way to help uh, them undertake these constant deep sea ocean voyages week after week year after year uh, for 20, 30 years. Um, and so there's a few traits about ocean liners that are unique to that design of ship. And if you look at the modern day cruise ships, which are designed for a completely different purpose, modern day cruise ships are designed for pleasure voyages with passengers where you're going maybe port to port, but not doing these long duration, deep sea, time critical um, voyages that also have a have a cargo and a and a mail component to them, a postal component to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ocean liners have have to be able to undertake these regular timely voyages, regardless of what the weather is. They have to be able to do it in the middle of the Pacific or the Atlantic or the Indian Ocean, um, no matter what time of year it is, and all that sort of thing. So these ships have got some characteristics. They've got um, very strong hulls, for example, um, because they're going to be battered and bashed by the waves of the these oceans in the middle of winter um, sure. every year. So they, com- comparatively against cruise ships, the ocean liners had thicker hull plating on, in general. Um, they also have, um, most of them have longer bows. So the section of the ship from where the, so the bulk of the ship or the superstructure of the ship sort of ends to the very tip of the, the bow on an ocean liner, if you look at pictures of ocean liners, is generally um, a lot longer than it is on cruise ships. And that's, again, to allow the bow to protect the bridge and the superstructure and the passenger areas from terrible weather. Um, and in fact, funnily enough, well, I mean, not funnily enough, scarily enough, <laughs> the QE2, for example, which was an, which, which was an ocean liner, um, she was hit by a, a 90-foot rogue wave, which was so big that it cleared the bridge of the ship. Whoa. during an Atlantic storm. Um, and uh, that itself um, would have caused a lot more damage to the ship had she had a very um, a very short bow, but she had a very a very long bow, so the ship was able to absorb that hit. Um, just for the rest of us, and myself included, actually, who, who live in metric areas, um, that's a 27.4-metre high <laughs> wave. <laughs> but, um, yeah. It's uh, pretty big either way. Exactly. It's huge. Uh, then they've also got, um, quite often the ocean liners have very powerful engines, which allows them to undertake 
these fast crossings. Not all ocean liners were, were very fast ships, but many of them were. Um, but they also had to have extra power that was built into them because if there was terrible weather that um, delayed them from their crossings, um, they needed to be able to make up that time to get to port on time. Because it's a bit like, you know, if you think about ocean liners as the sea version of modern day aircraft, in terms of the fact that you, you book it with an expectation of a departure time, an expectation of an arrival time, um, their pas passengers and, and freight um, services would be very unhappy if you were arriving late. So um, they had to be able to make up that time uh, with those very fast engines. Now, the cruise ships themselves, um, a lot of ocean liners actually went on to become cruise ships to operate as cruise ships mm -hmm. um, and that doesn't mean that they're not still ocean liners in terms of their design the original design um, uh, purpose for them was to undertake line voyages but uh, the cruise ships themselves um, these days are built primarily obviously to undertake those cruise and pleasure voyages now some of those cruise ships can do line voyages by by no means is it um, exclusive to just ocean liners but they're not designed primarily for that so yeah really if you get if you boil it right down the the most basic definition and difference between the two is what the intention of the design was and because of that intention because of the intention to operate them as um, liners doing line voyages they're designed and built in a certain way um, so today, the only operational ocean liner is the Queen Mary 2, but she operates half of her career, at least, doing cruises that aren't line voyages at all, but the ship was designed to undertake the Atlantic line voyage, so she's got some amazing design traits that that's, um, sort of set her apart from other ships. Uh, and until the cruise pause, there was also the Marco Polo and the Astoria, which operated with CMV, and they were operating fully mm -hmm. um, cruise-style cruise itineraries, but were both originally designed to do line voyages. So were, by design purposes, ocean liners. Um, but whether or not they'll come back into service is, um, I guess, yet to be seen. Am I right in thinking that the smokestack or the funnel on an ocean liner is generally more midship, whereas a cruise ship is generally a little bit more aft, or is that mistaken? Um, that's, a lot of that comes down to the... Um, the placement of the engines and the design of the machinery. So uh, a lot of the older ocean liners, I mean, the first ocean liners were the paddle steamers and their, their um, smokestack or funnel was was generally very amidships because they used to have the engines sitting in the middle of the ship to power the paddle yeah. wheels, which was which were centered in the, in the middle of the ship. Uh, as ocean liners got bigger, they got more and more funnels. So you'd see um, two funneled ships and then three and Finally, the four stackers, which of course the Titanic was one of those, and she made that sort of design look and appearance pretty famous. But lots of four, four funneled liners as well, and they would often be sort of placed um, evenly apart on the top of the superstructure, which was again a block of the ship, which was amidships. Um, but that was because the the funnels were ventilating coal-fed and and then later oil-fed boilers, which needed to sit amidships to, to maintain stability and that sort of right. thing. Right, yep, sure. Um, as we get to like more modern times, um, you'll remember the ship Canberra, mm -hmm. um, yep. Barry, um, and there was also um, other ships that came to Australia from the United Kingdom. The Southern Cross was another one. They had their funnels two-thirds aft, and that's because the, the design of their machinery was placed towards the aft of the ship to help reduce vibrations in the forward end of the vessel. Um, and, and for other mechanical purposes. So, no, in a, in a nutshell, it's not really the um, 
the the definition or the uh, defining feature of the two but quite a lot of ocean liners from from history you'll find the funnels were sort of clustered in the middle of the ship good answer i like it chris i don't think there's anything you can never answer (laughs) (laughs) keep trying now moving into uh, more modern times um costa of course the european brand is uh, bringing some additional ships into service so we've already heard that uh, in previous podcasts that uh, Costa Deliciosa is back in service and she'll be operating voyages um, in Italy. Um, she's going to be uh, joined by Costa Diadema, um, who's going to be sailing from Genoa. And these are going to be Italian port voyages only. So sailing to Italian ports from Italian ports with Italian passengers. Um, and again, that's um, along the same sort of lines as some of the other brands where they're trying to sort of restrict the movements of the ships to certain geographical areas to make sure that they don't bring um, anybody on board who who is um, from you know cross-border areas where there might be a, a COVID risk. Um, and in fact, Costa's also got two more ships that are scheduled to um, join the service by the end of 2020. So the plan there is to have four of them in, in service by the end of the year. Brilliant. Um, and in similar news, I was on a, um, a river conference of the day and a t- couple of the European operators were talking about, you know, how they've successfully come back. And we've spoken a little bit about that. Mm. Um, but just to kind of bring things up to speed and so to see how successful things are, Erosa have eight of their 12 ships currently operating on the, the waterways. Yeah. And uh, Quasi Europe, who have 52 river vessels, have uh, more than mm. 20 of them in operation. So uh, things are certainly heading in the right direction in the rivers and they're proving themselves, as are some of the small ships and it's good to see the the big yeah. ships doing the same and and those uh, river cruise companies were the, among the first to, to recommence as well so they've got the most experience now in how to how to do it exactly safely. exactly now some sad news closer to uh, australia two much loved princess ships will be uh, departing mm. the fleet i know and two ships that are so loved in australian waters new, new zealand waters and also even in um other parts of the world wherever they seem to go these the Sun class cruise ships, the Sun Princess and the Sea Princess, have both been sold. Um, sea Princess herself seems particularly popular. She's um, a couple of years ago was given a very extensive refit, um, and in fact, I did a, um, a a video tour of the ship, and it's one of my best performing videos. People just seem to love Sea Princess. Um, okay. But anyway, it's part of the um, the Carnival Corporation's planned reduction of its fleet that they're. They're basically reducing the fleet by, I think it's up to 18 ships during this COVID pause. Um, many of the ships that have already been retired that we've spoken about are from Carnival Corporation. Um, and Princess is one of Carnival's uh, main, well, big big brands that they have in that um, Carnival stable. So these two um, are the th- uh, second and third of the Sun class ships to have been sold. The other one was Oceana from P&O UK, which was also sold this year which leaves only uh, the Pacific Explorer in that type of um, that class of ship left in the, in the Carnival family. Um, these are 77,000 ton um, cruise ships. They've got quite a, a reasonable balcony um, accommodation sort of uh, share on board. They were uh, groundbreaking in terms of their design when they came in in the late 90s and early 2000s. So it is, again, as you say, it's sad to see them go, um, but... Um, and again, it hasn't really been made clear exactly where they're heading, but no, no one's saying anything about them being scrapped yet. So I think that they'll probably go to another operator. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Mm, exactly. Fingers crossed. Now, Royal Caribbean have announced some tweaks to their 2021 deployment, which predominantly affects uh, Europe and the Caribbean. Tell us a little more. 
Well, it's funny, yeah, tweaks, it's more like um, musical ships, really, because they're <laughs> shifting, <laughs> shifting ships around the place uh, um, as they, I guess, because firstly, there's going to be a staged uh, um, restart of cruising, and, and I think pretty much everybody's now expecting it to, to sort of ramp up in a in a more staged manner than everything just switching back on again. But also, some of these ships are sailing at the moment or, or at, in layup so far away from where they were supposed to be that it makes sense to, to jig, you know, rejig the... Um, Yep. schedules a little bit so um adventure of the seas and jewel of the seas are basically doing a bit of a swap of their itinerary so adventure which was planned to be um sailing in uh northern europe and copenhagen and stockholm um she'll be redeploying um to barcelona and will be taking on jewel of the seas voyages that were originally scheduled from barcelona and, and jewel was also going to do some voyages from amsterdam but she's now going to focus um, on that copenhagen and stockholm itineraries um, and then um, if we look at a vision of the seas she was originally um, scheduled to be based in barcelona but she's moving um, to san juan um, rather than barcelona so a big move for her going across the americas uh, in the caribbean Oh, well, in the Caribbean market, but it's actually out of the U.S. port um, of Fort Lauderdale. Um, we're seeing the Independence move from Fort Lauderdale to Miami, so it's just a short, um, a short sail up the coast. Um, and sh- instead of doing three to four night cruises out of Fort Lauderdale into the Caribbean, she's going to be taking on six to eight night cruises out of Miami. So just, um, I guess, Miami being uh, really one of the primary ports, but Fort Lauderdale is as well. So it's not a huge change. People will still be able to get there. Um, from the same airports and that sort of thing wouldn't be too mm-hmm. difficult. Yep. And then um, if we look at a, a few other ships in the fleet, um, there's the Quantum of the Seas, which is the class leader of the Quantum class. We have a very large class of ship, and uh, I think it's um, one of the ship styles that people really do enjoy with the, um, the Northern Star, that um, big crane arm on the roof where you can go and look at the surroundings from a 360-degree sort of London Eye style pod. Um, she's actually going to be making her debut in Alaska um, in 2021. Um, and Odyssey of the Seas is going to be doing new voyages for her where she'll be sailing from Chibitavecchia, which is the port for Rome. So um, a few changes there in the RCI fleet movements. Uh, but I guess um, in essence, every place that they were originally going to be sailing from is pretty much being covered. They're just moving around which ships are doing are doing what, what and from what ports they're going to be departing from. Yeah, as you say, the dancing of the ships. <laughs> I like that one. Um, now, Royal Caribbean, as we know, have been working very closely with the, the Norwegian family um, to come up with a healthy mm. sail panel um, recommendations. Uh, it's a huge document, and I think if we <laughs> we could actually do a whole podcast just on this, but we won't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just um, it's been released it's been sent to the cdc it's 74 pages long mm. um we can uh, only hope that uh, that the cdc take it on and then we can uh, start to move forward i guess yeah it's like over 70 recommendations in there um and uh i guess to have the two brands like that come together with those recommendations as well just shows the the unit sort of like unity that the uh the cruise industry has which is a really positive thing to see as well yeah, and I believe they're making it available to any cruise line so that um, you know it can basically become uh, industry practice, which is great. Yeah, because I think the um, CDC no-sale order that's currently in place uh, expires on the 30th of September and uh, everyone's trying to see whether or not there's a way we can, or that the cruise lines can stop that from being extended and maybe something a bit more phased can come in. I guess we'll, we'll have to wait yeah. and find out. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, just some brief news that came in overnight. Holland America has announced uh, a slight tweak, I guess, Mm. for the Asia season for 2021-2022. Yes, they're going to be sending Nordam to uh, Asia in 2021-2022. She will be doing the northern Pacific crossing from Alaska to Japan. Um, So again, one of those... Um, classic retraces of an old line voyage, but uh, Nordam, of course, being being a cruise ship, but she's able to do it. Um, and then she'll be making calls also during that season in Singapore, Hong Kong, and then spending quite a lot of time um, in Japan. So that would be quite exciting for people in the Asia Pacific region. Yeah, Japan's uh, always very, very popular, but particularly during the, the autumn and mm, springtime, of course. And close to your heart, um, <laughs> Cunard have announced that uh, Queen Elizabeth, uh, t- obviously they were get to amend her 2021 mm. uh, deployments. That's happened and it's on sale as of next Tuesday the 29th. Yeah, so earlier in the year we, we learned that Queen Elizabeth's uh, Australian voyages for 2021, the majority of them had been had been cancelled, but instead she's going to be doing, because um, she's now sailed back and she's at um, in layup off, uh, off the UK coast. So she'll be doing a series of uh, cruises from Southampton, European cruises, um, before heading to Barcelona and doing um, what is possibly one of the one of the rare Cunard long-term deployments out of um, a Spanish port, uh, so she'll be doing some Mediterranean cruises out of Barcelona, which is you know again quite exciting for their um, itineraries and people who want to travel within Europe. Then um, at, towards late 2021, she'll be departing Europe and making the long-duration voyage. Um, back to our part of the world and she will actually be calling in Australia um, early on in the, her 2021-22 season uh, she'll be calling in at um, Fremantle and Melbourne so that's towards the end of 2021 then she spends quite a lot of time here in 2022 and back to normal hopefully so that's um, yeah good news it'd be nice to see a Cunada coming back into an Australian port absolutely and um, of course you always put a video out uh, most weeks have we got anything going out uh, this week Chris? Yeah, this week we're going to have we've just passed the six month mark of the cruise pause, um, and we're going to just have a little bit of a retrospective as to how we got here. How did it get to a situation where pretty much all of the ships are laid up? Um, what ships have come back into service? Um, how successful has that been? And then uh, what does the future sort of look like in terms of the rest of twenty twenty, uh, which was expected to be an absolutely magnificent year for cruising. So obviously they've had to deal with a lot of change. Uh, but also, um, you know, it's uh, quite a shock to the system, particularly at the very beginning when uh, things were doing so well in January and then to, to see everything have to change so quickly in February and March. So just a bit of a look at that and sort of how did we get here. Brilliant. Of course, we'll uh, include, as always, the link to your YouTube channel in the show notes. Um, Chris, always a pleasure, mate. Really appreciate it. Until next week, we'll speak again. Thanks so much. See you then. When you're packing for your next cruise, maybe consider a new pair of handmade sandals to go. Uh, Evolcus are handmade in Spain and sold with love here in Australia by sandalsandsunsets.com.au. You'll find all the details in the show notes below. And it's time to welcome back our good friend Pete from Clear. Pete, it's uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show. This week we've asked you to tell us five things that people may not be aware of on Turnaround Day. But I guess for people that may be first-time cruisers, what is Turnaround Day, first of all? Well, thanks, Baz. Uh, Turnaround Day is uh, a shortened term to put together the two occasions, which is disembarkation for 
passengers who are just finishing a cruise, so getting off the ship, yet on the same day, a new cruise recommences. So it's embarkation day. And so you have two lots of passengers. So if you've got a 2,000 or 3,000 passenger ship, that's 6,000 passengers within the vicinity. And you have a lot of activity turning around from one situation to the other. So that's the turnaround day. The busiest day for any crew member, I would guess. Certainly is. And it does make my top five. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fire away with number five. Okay, number five, things to be aware about turnaround day. I think there's two strategic days in your cruise. I know cruise, you, you're there to have fun, holiday, and just uh, just let go. But there are two days where you need to pay a little bit of attention, and they, of course, are when you're getting on the ship and the night before uh, leaving the ship. And this is where some first-time cruisers uh, make some mistakes because you're told to... You leave your luggage outside the room at a by a certain time. That's because everything's being prepared for you while you're sleeping. But when you wake up, uh, that's pretty much the state you're going to be in, not in your pyjamas, but you'll need a, a fresh set of clothes to travel in. So prepare the night before. So what I tend to do the night before is I, I do my checkout or uh, you know uh, paying for my bill because uh, the lines in the morning can get quite long for those forgetful people. Um, don't leave your um, securities in the safe, like your passport and so forth. Uh, one common one is, and it happens a lot, uh, people end up in their PJs or slippers because they forgot to leave clothes outside and all of a sudden their luggage is gone. Uh, <laughs> sometimes when they're cleaning the room, they're going, well, that was a great cruise. And then they just uh, leave their key card on the desk and leave and disembark. But they can't disembark because you actually need that key card to actually disembark. <laughs> so you have to go back to your room. Um, common one, and I don't know if this is through um, uh, <laughs> uh, thoughtlessness, take the bathroom. It's not for you. They will charge you. So unless you want to pay for it, do not take the bathroom because they are so nice on board. Uh, <laughs> another one on the actual disembarkation day, I see a lot of people trying to I'm going to get a shortcut and try and get off earlier. So I'm going to linger um, in a different place where I'm supposed to. But, you mm-hmm. know, the, the logistics and calculations, the strategy behind disembarkation is to a T. So we know exactly which lounge has which passengers. So that one particular lounge may have passengers boarding a flight before 11 a.m. Another lounge has passengers who are doing a tour and so forth. So it's very, very strategic. Yep. And if you're not there, you will miss your call. So please listen to them. Um, and if you've not left your luggage out, you're going to have to carry it off. And for some people who do a lot of accumulation through the holidays, that could be quite a lot. So all in all, you can see there's quite a lot of points there or a lot of uh, things to be aware of, and that's just simply um, dismissed if you just uh, all prepare it the night before. Good tip. And number four? Okay, five things to be aware about turnaround day for people coming on board, and maybe it's their first time or two. It's busy. I mean, it's time to refuel. It's time to resupply, and we're talking a lot of supplies. So there's a lot of... Um, Areas that are cordoned off uh, just through um, safety. Uh, 
um, it just looks like chaos. And then when people get on board, uh, they're sort of orientating themselves and everyone's happy and they're just like running around. So don't feel that that will um, be synonymous with the rest of the cruise experience. It's a one day of extremely yeah. um, high volume logistics, a little bit of stress from the crew, which I'll get to. Um, but it is one of those days where it's just a little bit busy. It's not going to be, it's not reflective of what's coming up. Yeah. And as you said, everything like everything has been done so many times. It is literally down to the, the minute and the second that things happen. Oh, exactly. So, it's it's uh, not the first rodeo. Go, yeah. Go with the flow. Uh, number three. Um, this is common for a lot of first timers finishing their cruise. Be prepared for change, amendments, delays. And I'm, I'm really pointing towards your flight time. So if you're flying out of the local airport of where you're disembarking, a lot of first-timers make the mistake of getting the first flight out or whatever. Now, you know, a clear travel agent wouldn't do it uh, because they're experienced. They've got thousands of clients they're used to. But, um, you know, things happen, and uh, and I'm pertaining to weather conditions. So, and, and it might be a nice sunny day, but there might be a lot of swell or a lot of wind, which delays uh, the rate at which the ship can enter the port. So there might be one or two hours delay. That sort of has an on-flow effect. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. Um, and therefore, if you've got an early flight time and you're stressing to make it, that's really not a nice way to end your holiday. I've always booked later flight times. If I have to chill out somewhere, I'll chill out. But, you know, I don't need that stress. So make sure your flight times are not first thing in the morning. Good one. Number two? Well, we said this. Crew members, it is the hardest day for them. Most work hours, uh, you know, some of them are up from three or four in the morning um to get the procedures of every or the whole logistics of getting everything off and, and complete the cruise and then of course uh, getting everyone back on and they're also getting all those same questions many of which we uh, spoke about in the previous podcast um, so it is stressful for them it's also a time where a lot of the crew members also depart at embark so sometimes someone's just arrived and they're they're uh, right in front of you within the hour of just getting on board, and some people have lost what the, you know as crew that we're family. So sometimes we've lost a family member. We just spent six months on board and they've just left, gone home on vacation or holidays, and we're a bit sad or whatever. So it's a really tough time for crew. So um, look, generally they're they're great at it. They're used to it, but at the same time, um, be empathetic. Uh, you don't have to say anything, but just be aware if anything adverse does happen or if they're a little short on something um it may be they're they're just under the pump themselves yep for sure and number one now as i just painted that very dark scenario at the same time it's also the most rejuvenated crew because i have to explain something as a crew member you don't have monday tuesday wednesday friday and in the weekend there's no such thing in fact that's why for those of you on longer cruises, you will see the day of the week on the mat in the elevator because you just don't remember <laughs> what day it is sometimes. Our days, are port days, sea days, and turnaround days. And turnaround days is pretty much the end of the week, start of a new week, if you know what I mean. It's just a, it is yep. rejuvenation. So even though the whole process and protocols have been done before, it's a... It's it's real hope. It's excitement. We're going to meet new people. We're going to. It's a whole new itinerary. Often, um, so there is. Even though it's a hard day for them, 
it's also uh, one of the most exciting ones. So I just really wanted to leave it at that because I didn't want to make just say, you know, poor crew, you know, we didn't work on board. We didn't love it. <laughs> and some of us worked exactly. there for 12 years because we actually loved it. And, and turnaround days, yeah, they were the hardest. But, man, it was just uh, turnaround days are just, uh, you know, fresh, fresh approach to the next phase of our journeys as well. Exactly. Pete, it is always a pleasure. Uh, we look forward to uh, the next installment next week. Cheers. Thanks, Bez. Quick thanks to uh, Pete and Chris there. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, we would normally head over to our next guest, but um, we're getting short on time on this podcast because our next guest uh, has got some incredible things to, to share with you. Um, so listen out in the next day or two. Um, we will be having a bonus episode. Episode 27 will be an exclusive interview with um, Robin West, who is the vice president of uh, Expedition Operations at Seabourn Cruises. So, uh, we look forward to uh, speaking to you again twice uh, during this week. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.